Welcome everybody to the final ever episode of Rallon's Ranch, a podcast produced and starring Richie Allen. It is indeed an emotional evening for us all. This podcast is presented by his father, David. Uh, I know I'm his dad because I was in attendance at his conception nearly <laughs> 28 years ago. A five-minute wrestling session <laughs> under the covers. Like all good WWF wrestling contests, it ended in a submission, <laughs> with one of the participants thrown out of the ring to the sound of vitriolic booing and jeering. Anyway, on to the interview. Described as debonair, erudite, clever, witty, charming, a sexual magnet for both men and women, ruggedly handsome, an intellectual giant in a land of pygmies. And as the late great Irish philosopher Father Ted said, he is tremendous fun. Yeah. Okay, that's enough about me. I better start the interview <laughs> with this clown. Well, Richie, an emotional moment. How do you feel after over 60 podcasts that reach audience, audiences right across South Donnybrook with listener numbers reaching the late teens for some of your broadcasts? Mm. You were particularly popular with the second year to Besson's <laughs> boys in that upmarket holiday camp, St. Michael's College. Your initial thoughts at this rather emotional and nostalgic end of an era. Well, thanks first and foremost for that detailed introduction. I don't think I've ever given any of my guests that much of a detailed rundown of their past escapades and how they were created. But now I feel... I feel uh, mixed emotions, definitely, but it's the right time. I've told the, as you said, the 14 listeners that it was definitely time, the right time to pack it in. And I just felt that with like most things, it's always a good time to stop and quit while you're ahead. You see it with retirements in the, the sporting arena. I just felt that if I kept this going for another year or two with the amount of work that goes on in the background, I would have stopped enjoying it i would have you know the standards would have dropped and i just feel feel like i'll be going out in somewhat of a high so mixed emotions but ultimately i'm i'm happy because when i started i was told that it would be to quote uh, a shit show or an embarrassment and here we are what is it three quarters of a million people who have listened later on my whatever 78 something or 80 something episode i'm here chatting with you so the journey's been somewhat remarkable slash unforgettable so i feel uh, mixed emotions but ultimately i'm happy indeed richard uh, mixed emotions uh, someone described mixed keep talking emo- into the mic someone described mixed emotions as seeing your mother-in-law drive over a cliff in your new rolls royce <laughs> In keeping with the format of your previous podcast, um, can you describe your early childhood? Obviously, leaving out the beatings and the abuse. <laughs> yeah. Early childhood was interesting. I remember, as my mother always says, I tend to pick out the worst moments. A lot of the horrors, the violence. I remember mainly the holidays or the school tours at nine o'clock to school that we didn't want to go and we came up with every possible way not to go fake and sick hiding in the house going up to the attic you name it but like early wise i just remember having always the two brothers was the main thing it's something that 
as I got older, obviously with them moving abroad, it was something that I didn't have as often. But it was interesting because when I was that young, as I got more copped on and began to actually establish what the hell was going on and who were who was this man telling me what to do i yourself it was great to have the two of them with me and for better or worse in certain cases as we always allude to and i didn't even know what age i was for this but there was always times where we would do ridiculous stuff as you said they're wrestling i remember having a a wrestling match in your bedroom with robert for about 70 minutes in which he won obviously because that was the the way it was and i also recall being in panina where me and robert choke slammed mark through the bed and split his head open which caused uh, a huge amount of stress on your behalf in panina but which what, might explain um how he is at this moment in time in america yeah uh, but anyway um so you have your earliest memories can you describe any early memories that really are vivid in your mind when uh, some people look back in their childhood and they say there's one vivid memory that stands out above all others is there any particular vivid memory i've been early childhood i'm talking about how early give me an age i would say maybe two weeks <laughs> no i'm not i'm talking about some somewhere around five six years of age that sometimes you remember or I remember, remember your first day at national school? I don't. I absolutely don't. But I remember the the St. Mary's upbringing in that school very well. And a lot of people who had actually listened to this went to that school in Booterstown or at least mm-hmm. knows of it. But I do recall being there. I think I was in first class. I would have been five or six mm-hmm. years of age. Mm-hmm. And I remember the the Froobs, which were the the go-to lunch basically food that a lot of people would have they were basically these tubes with this like strawberry flavored kind of thick liquid mm-hmm. and if you hit them hard enough against the table they'd mm-hmm. eventually splash mm-hmm. and i remember one day the teacher was like i think it could have been miss spellman mm-hmm. someone anyway basically had to put a ban on it because what had transpired the previous day was i came in with two fruits and thought it'd be a good idea mm. to just mm. smack, smack, smack. Eventually what happened was a hole and a little slit took place in the fruit. I then went to pull it back and the whole contents of the fube went sorry, fruit fube? Fruit, sorry. Pube. <laughs> yeah, my fube. My God, what are we talking about? <laughs> sorry, I hope this is after the nine o'clock watershed. Yeah, the curfew. But no, it was a. Uh, it went all over the teacher and yeah she then was like that's absolutely outrageous and that was probably the first time where everyone laughed at my idiotic ways and i think that implanted definitely a seed that would obviously plague me Mm. and even yourself in later years yeah interesting but not very but (laughs) anyway uh, i always remember when you came home from school once uh you said dad i was the only boy who could recite uh the alphabet up to g I mm. said, well done, Richard. I'm, I'm really proud of you. And then you Keep came back the following, the, the following day. Yeah. You came back and said, Dad, I was able to count up to 12. I said, well done, well done. And then the following day you came in, Daddy, I was in the toilet with the boys and I noticed <laughs> my willy was bigger than their willy. And they said, uh, well, that's because you're 18, Richard. <laughs> 
Okay, so uh, as you uh, <laughs> as you progressed uh, progressed oh, through um, what can only be described as um, uh, a memory that you can't forget or can't remember um, into St Michael's College. Yeah, which third uh, class. Yeah, uh, you you entered St Michael's College in your third class. Yeah, and do you remember boys that are or guys that you know now that you met that day? Do you remember any of your I do. I, I re- recall doing an Easter camp while I was in second class. So before I'd, I'd obviously joined Michael's in third class, I went to an Easter camp as like nearly a bedding in period. And I remember just acting the maggot. I actually won player of the week. That was the... Was this at the, rugby or yeah. just were no, it was ice a, hockey? Or no, something? it was a rugby oh, camp. Oh, rugby, okay, just for and those who don't know. My my future coach, Andy Skeen, was actually the guy in charge back then, and he gave me the, the player. It wasn't the player, it was more the Entertainer of the Week award. So it made mm. my welcome in third class a bit easier than the other kids who were just, you know, absolutely nervous as one could be on the first day of their introduction. But, yeah, no, like I know... A huge amount of people there. I remember my first week, which I was only chatting on the podcast there with Colin about how it was Miss O'Neill was the teacher. We'd heard all about her and that she was strict and you couldn't really mess. And by the Friday of the first week, I was dancing on top of a table because I'd found a paddy hat outside. Like one of those, I don't even know how you describe them. You know the paddy hats? Uh, are they worn by paddies? They are worn by paddies. Interesting, yeah. yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. And I I doubt if the four people that are listening to this understand what you're talking They're about. They're the old type of caps, caps, like you'd see the little... Okay. Anyway, let's yeah. not get drawn on okay, it. Okay, okay. I, I, I know, I, I'll just go back to my question. Can you? Rem- I want to know the individuals that you can remember from your first uh, week in school. Are are they still friends of yours? Are they? Do you remember any of them? Yeah, I re- remember sitting beside. I was beside Nick McCarthy and I think Andy O'Driscoll throughout the first week because I knew them from the camp. All right, okay. And yeah, half half of that class I still keep in touch with. It was hilarious at the time that we mm. didn't even know half of the kids, and back then, it's not like you're older. Say when you're in first year, going into the senior school where you go play sports and stuff there was no real okay. rugby and stuff so it was yeah, okay. those type of people okay we'll move swiftly on to the uh, your time in St. Michael's in secondary school yeah uh, where I was hoping and praying that you would get an education but you diverted your attentions to rugby just about yeah yeah and you you became a megastar of rugby in your own I'm in your own mind uh, in, mm. in, and you do you remember that great semi-final final in the Junior Cup yeah and you remember and just the viewers oh, sorry listeners uh, you played Turner College the final yeah. in the final you were overwhelming favourites yeah what in the name of Jesus happened that day <laughs> we've still been trying to figure this out but no that was an interesting because obviously in first year you go do under 13s and then JCT is your first taste yeah. of the supposed, like, the Hollywood life where you're treated like celebrities in the school. You get the cup gear, you're in the papers, you're getting photos taken you at every game. And 
it is such a it's an early age when you're 14 15 to be thrusted into that but it also is a incredible experience but to answer your question in short absolutely no idea it was very much one of those cases where i've played enough games and i've coached enough games to know that after 10 minutes it was just it was game over and it was one of the one of the first times in my life i was like this is terrible what is happening is going to Mm. crush me and make me so down and so upset for months and months and months because as i said you're so young it's basically the biggest thing you think you'll ever do yeah understood richie and then um you progressed to what's called the gap year in st michael's college which is a very costly year for parents yeah computer uh, computer class uh, basically did diddly (laughs) squat yeah Uh, and can you describe that you know butland's holiday experience in your fourth year it was a year where I think everyone bar me had laptops. I remember this very vividly because mother upstairs was saying, I'm not paying a couple of hundred quid to get you a laptop. You're going to do nothing on it. So mm-hmm. every single one of the other students had a laptop while I didn't. So therefore, I never had one of the techie phones. So mm-hmm. I went into class, basically did nothing. No work, you'd be delighted to hear. So that money you might as well had flushed down the toilet. But it was it was an interesting year where I definitely think that's the key year where, number one, you get to really solidify what mates you stick with for the next several years. But more importantly, the independence starts kicking in. You start going outside a lot more. You start going on nights out. Your parents give you a bit more freedom. And yeah, I also had Call of Duty as well, which I was absolutely engulfed in and every single evening I was spending four or five engulfed hours engulfed in or engrossed in engrossed in excuse, yeah, so you were, excuse I thought, my French I thought you were drowning in, in Call of Duty <laughs> but no there was not much memories to take from it I didn't play okay. rugby that year but mm. it was uh, I remember it being the year where like a lot of people went from being you know young boys to on the way to adulthood that's very interesting indeed <laughs> Jeff. and if you thought at the uh, dare I say it the junior cup final was a shit storm yeah uh, you didn't know what was coming down the line which was your senior cup final mm-hmm. which i attended myself uh, absolutely and your mother and we uh, watched in horror <clears throat> as gary ring a ring a rosie and his <laughs> mates uh, did a number on you in uh, down in the rds when you were overwhelming favorites overwhelming i don't think we we're overwhelming. well i think there was I mean, there were so, ma- so many superstars on that pitch, or yeah. soon-to-be superstars. Absolutely. I could name so many of them. They were absolutely, you know, the common uh, Leinster players now, they're internationals. What in the name of divine Lord Jesus happened that day? It Basically, the rain. If I, I always say if it didn't rain at halftime, while we were in the changing rooms, we would have won that game, definitely. But that was a... Uh, very very interesting day it was still to still to this day after 27 years the best experience up until that final whistle it was just a mesmerizing dreamlike afternoon i remember rocking up to the rds you were treated like proper you know elite doing the warm-up and watching the stand slowly fill up seeing all my friends seeing my family seeing the past pupils absolutely (laughs) 
fucking trolleyed screaming at people throughout the day mm. and the match is pretty it's like all people trying to recite it's it's pretty much a blur I remember it ebbed and flowed and sure I've watched it back a few times and for the neutral it was an absolutely incredibly good game that came down to three points in the end but I do I remember the last minutes that's the only period where I can pretty much recite phase by phase when they made the break when they scored the mm. try obviously after that then we try to get the ball back but I remember there being like 50 seconds on the clock and them just picking and going picking and going picking and going and looking at the big clock and going okay there's 13 seconds left 9 seconds 6 3 and you could hear the crowd chanting and then once it hit 0 it was I cannot describe how everything you'd basically worked for just gets sucked out of you and you realize that everything you dreamt of just gone so immediate so suddenly and they kick the ball out they go bananas and yeah it's only when you lose something like that especially in sport you see your best friends in tears i remember coming up to you you were standing in the stand and i was just bawling my eyes out and like the weird thing is like when i look back on that compared to the terrier thing i don't have half the amount of regrets because Terry absolutely spanked us but it was to go from that to what three months later having to sit a leave insert was like an mm. outrageously challenging period but Indeed. it was it was a great it was a great game and anyone who yeah. hasn't watched it if you're bored shitless during quarantine or whatever I'd encourage you to do so because it's on YouTube yeah it was it was an actually thrilling game and um, so many superstars of the future were there and now that we really don't have too many listeners to this podcast, can you name and shame who actually in the St. Michael's team screwed up? Was it Ross Byrne? Was it Keen Kelleher? Was it Nicky McCarthy? Was that, that non-entity James Ryan playing for you? That <laughs> yeah, well, just name and shame them because it has to be out. Somebody screwed up that day. Someone's head's got to go. I... Yeah. Or was it unthinkably? myself Richard Allen to, to be honest there was very few like people can talk about interceptions remember Ring Rose's uh, intercept try the bounce the ball bouncing twice and then yeah. them catching and run the pitch it was such a bizarre game where to be honest there wasn't uh, like they're even winning try it wasn't anyone's fault it just Richard was, I am only joking you know that I know you don't want you to name and shame. I know you don't, but it's anyway. I think we probably exhausted that disaster uh, enough. But anyway, you regrouped. You got down to your academic studies, and you got 110 points in your leaving cert. So, (laughs) so that can only be described as a great comeback. A huge comeback, yeah. Bounce back ability, some would say. Yeah. Did you? Did you think I'd? Did you actually pass? Pass any any subjects? I'd failed Spanish. I remember that. Did you? Uh, a question Come for you. A que- okay. Okay. <laughs> a question for I'm you. I'm from Barcelona. A, que- a question for you is that leading into that leaving sir, because you've obviously seen the two guys, two brothers go before me. What were your, what were you anticipating? Come August. Uh, I was considering, considering by the way, deeply, deeply concerned, <laughs> you know, deeply, deeply concerned. Um, Considering after, particularly, you you were only able to recite the alphabet up to G and mm. uh, count up to 12. But no, you, you surprised us all and you, you did it reasonably well. Now, 
you're no Albert Einstein. Absolutely you're all not. Your, all your attributes and all your qualities are in the creative um, arena, and that's wonderful. We all can't be as brilliant as I am. As you yeah, know. sir. Yeah, you know, simply, it's not. It's not possible. No. Listen. Anyway, uh, we won't go through your very short, sorry, elongated university career. In it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any any highlights of that? Because I think we want to move swiftly on. Um, you. The, it was uh, first of all. It was in the DNS, uh, the North Side. The North Side uh, DCU. Yeah. DCU where you attended occasionally. Yeah. You, on a, you elite, made some guest sport, appearances yeah. there. Elite sports person scholarship, elite, mind you. Which I don't think you even saw, saw any of the sports arenas there. No. But it was on the north side, so we're not talking about real human beings. <laughs> so um, any memories from that particular er, uh, period of your life, Richard? To summarize, I remember first year out of college. If you remember, I didn't actually go to college. I don't remember that, actually. So if you think about it, I finished sixth year. I got whatever, 300 and whatever, 50, 60, I forget what, something like mid 300s. And I was meant to do print management in DIT, the uh, Dave Brent. Like. Print management? <laughs> yeah. Were you going to actually do 3D printing? It was something like that. And I remember mm. chatting with you and even some of the career guidance counselors. And they were like, what are you uh -huh. doing? This, mm. this is not what you want to do. So I had to rethink that. I didn't go to college, did a part-time course up in UCD about film appreciation, which we'll probably get on to at a later time. We will indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the thing about DCU was obviously the holidays were the highlights and anyone who's listening to this, especially with COVID being hopefully on the back burner and in the past, that was the key things because like the friendships I still have, the friendships I've lost all came through those three or four years. But one of the biggest regrets I have, and you probably don't know this, is actually how I dealt with college because I look back, spent three years in DCU plus a deferred a year to work part-time as a teacher, well, full-time as a teacher in Michaels for a year. But I just completely neglected it. And DCU was actually a great college. The other people from Michaels or lads I knew, they absolutely loved it and had great crack, went on great tours, ski trips, all that type of stuff. But I just viewed it quite negatively. And it nearly it culminated in me almost getting kicked out for my plagiarism issue, which I don't think I've actually ever told you. Did I ever tell you that I almost got kicked out for yeah. plagiarizing? No, I well, I had. I told Rob. I didn't tell you. Yeah, I had an issue in UCD years ago, and I was it's in the eighteen hundreds uh, when I was brought in front of a professor with a friend of mine, uh, who's a well-known businessman, and we were doing a maths exam, mm. and the professor said, "Listen, I've called you in. There's a serious issue here, and uh, it's about the maths exam," and I said what's the problem he said um, you both did answer 10 questions and you both got 90% so you only failed in one and he said to the other fella do you remember that maths question number 6 what your, your answer was I don't remember the question he said was what uh, would be the answer to this the square root of 185 divided by the logarithm of 5 divided by the speed of light 
To which you said, I haven't got a fucking clue. <laughs> and you, you little red-headed arsehole, Alan, do you remember your answer? And I said, what was it? Your answer was, need to do fucking I. <laughs> So get out of my class. <laughs> but anyway, this is it. But I, I think we're 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 probably had enough of the education um, discussion or lack of. Yes, but then we move on. Can to I your- actually? I need to. I need to interrupt because you definitely have a good story to tell here. And I've always, I've asked you loads of times, but people will definitely enjoy. Mm. You had three sons naturally. Naturally, and, no, yeah. well, uh, unnaturally. Sorry, by, <laughs> sorry, I had them by cesarean section, and I haven't been the same since. But I can you remember the hunter has become the hunted, so I'm gonna ask you a question here. Do you remember some of the worst instances? You don't even have to name teachers, but say when you went to the parent teacher meetings mm. in Michaels, do you remember going with your notepad and taking notes? I do indeed, Richard. Yeah. Do you remember any highlights? No, there was only low lights. Well huge Sorry. low lights. I remember Mark, who was a particular problem uh, and has been for a long time. Um, we went, your mother and myself went to one of his teachers who was an English teacher. Yeah. Uh, we looked around the hall and we said, who will we go to first with Mark? And Colette said, oh, Mark likes English. He, he seems to be getting on very well with, uh, I don't know what her name was. Uh, but Mrs. Y. Yeah, Mrs. Y. Uh, she, and he said he likes English. So we went over and sat down. And we said, hello, we're David and Colette Allen, and we're, we're the parents of Mark Allen. And she said, oh, Mark, Mark, yes, yes. Now, Mark is doing very, very well at English. Oh, and we all sort of gave each other a high five. Yeah. And said, um, and you're doing, but with a little bit, bit more effort, some more homework, and a bit more diligence, I think he might be able to speak it in, in about a month or two. I said, right, let's get out of here. Straight down to the pub. But Christ almighty. No, there was, um, no, it was a harrowing experience going into that hall. You had your piece of paper. You looked around at what I could only describe as inquisitors <laughs> and uh, um, people who you sort of said, they're waiting for you to sit down in front of them. And then you would sit down and you would say, I am the father and, and this is the mother of Richard Allen or Robert Allen yeah. particularly. Is that the, the Robert Allen that exposed himself to the, <laughs> uh, in, in, you know, no, no, no not that Robert yeah. Allen, you know, there was some other. And, but it was an amazing time in Michael's. We really enjoyed it. Now, it is a glorified feckin' butlins, but uh, what can one say? You know, education. <laughs> so, hello. Uh, hello, Ted. <laughs> hello, Ted. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> we, uh, we offer everything but the following. Yeah. Education. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, great moments. Mm. And, I mean, what St. Michael's College does, I think, for young boys is it gives them a, a sense, an overall sense of, being of a wider education, uh, a camaraderie. Uh, they, they just turn out some very, very nice and, by and large, wonderful young lads. Now, Steady it, it does help if you have brains. But, yeah. um, you know, I think it's, it's a great college and, you know, and my bank balance was denuded <laughs> by about 
X hundreds of thousands, but I could have bought them three brains for that. But anyway, but no, it was a wonderful experience. So no, I can't think of anything nasty or anything that, you know, there were times when we were brought down and, you know, and Mr. Keller would say, listen, there's an issue with Mark, Robert or Richie. But there wasn't too many issues with, with Richie. I think Richie, by and large, became a sort of a, an icon in, in the college. And uh, he became kind of a legend in his own bathroom. And uh, <laughs> while the other two were a little bit more messy, to say the least. But no, Fair. what they did, what it did create was camaraderie, uh, being comrades and great pals, which to this day, all of them have, which is wonderful. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, we will move on just may maybe to more of your artistic um, attributes. Yeah. You Keep talking into the mic or I'll kill you. Uh, we <laughs> remember fondly your uh, state lights. Absolutely, yeah. With Shobsby. Shobsy. 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 Shobsy, not Shobsby. Shobsy, I mean... <laughs> Fucking hell to talk about nicknames. Shane O'Brien. Yeah. That's O'Brien. Yeah. You know, Shubs, Shubsby. Yeah, it's like no, Shubsy. 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 Yeah. God, is he getting fucking. Anyway, <laughs> listen, it's Shubsy. Shubsby. Or who the hell? Shane. But anyway, you set up. You shut up. Shut up. Anyway, I need a more drink. Yeah. Give me another one. Will you pour that one? Anyway. You you, well, you you set up as uh, the band State Lights, yeah. which I had the privilege of attending uh, some of your great concerts. What a wonderful time it was! Yeah, and I was really proud. Uh, some of the the best music, I must say, for from a young band that I've heard. And uh, but sadly, you know, young bands in this in this era we're living in, with particularly with the pandemic. Yeah, and uh, Shops be one of the great talents. Shopsy. Yeah. It keep calling him Shopsby. It'll be Yeah, Shopsby, whoever heard of him. <laughs> but he's brilliant. A, shame, yeah. a wonderful artist and you were the bass guitarist. Talk yeah. a bit more about that. It was something that stemmed so initially out of school I wanted to go to music college. There was BIM in DIT and I remember I did the auditions they were like yeah you've got the musical talent to play you then need to do the academic so that's when the panic hit in and Shobs Shobsy I was about to call him Shobsby Shobsy Joe and Paul were already in BIM I wasn't but I'd known obviously Shane for ages and he was like yeah we're going to start a band actually it was initially he was going to be a solo act so he was like do you want to be a bass player just support me at my gigs we had a first gig in Button Factory I was the bass player then shortly after that, we were kind of like, here, let's become a band and let's all be on the same page and have a crack. And yeah, I was there for like two, two and a half years. Some of the songs I still have on my playlist because I think they're absolutely incredible. As you said, the musicianship was incredible. Yeah, by the way, just so I don't want to interrupt you, what's your favourite State Light song? I'll Be Loving You. It's the first, I think. That's very nice of you to say. <laughs> but, but I mean, talk, what, what was your favourite song? That was it. I thought you were talking to me. No, well, that's no. Oh, sorry, yeah. Then I'd be lying. Yeah. But the, that song, yeah, we wrote where you're sitting right now. On that, we wrote it in this living room, took us 50 minutes, and yeah, it's on YouTube. Type in Richie Allen, Shane O'Brien, I'll be loving you. Listen to it. Let me know what you think. Slight plug there. But back to the band, it was really great experience. We really, like, 
as I said, you were chasing the dream. It was an exciting time because you were just in college. You were trying different things out. You were chasing that dream of being a successful band. We got signed by great management. We were on the radio, like hearing your own song that you wrote in your living room on the radio was a pretty cool feeling. We are in the top 10 in the Irish charts. There was big gigs we played, sold out button factories, stuff like that. So mm. it, was, it was a great experience, but ultimately it came down to life doesn't just wait and let you do what you want because you've only got a certain amount of time. And yeah, to take a decision at the time, which was very difficult, we just performed on RTE, did a live concert, had some good support gigs, but it was a case of it was either 100% in the band, leave college, leave coaching, leave the other commitments I had and put everything into it. And I just I just wasn't at that stage while the other guys were. And yeah, they went on, made some great music. Unfortunately, didn't pan out like a huge amount of other bands, like Little Green Cars or another one who were superb out of Michaels and they no longer are around. So it's a definite mm. tough business, but that experience was like incredible. The 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 buzz you get out of hearing people sing back a song you wrote is it tops like the experience I would have had playing in front of 15,000 people in an RDS go mad. It was, it was a incredible, incredible experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody says that every rock band who gets on the stage said the adrenaline is unbelievable. It's, it's the greatest bob, buzz. It's like oh. a drug. Bub. 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 So I'm, I'm eating the. I'm sorry. I'm eating the microphone. It's made of chocolate. Uh, no, uh, but that's, that's, that is yeah one of the great great moments I think in your life as well. But uh, just maybe just to get more personal. And uh, I'll be yeah. loving you. With, did you write that song about anybody in particular? Was there a girl dash anybody who a cat? There might have been a cat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Are you in, interested in sort of making love to cats? Is this one of your hobbies? No. No. Uh, anybody uh, that was in your mind that when you were writing, yeah, I'd, I'd be loving. You. So I. Do you I, want to announce that? Um, no, I'm you're not. Fine. Pu- not. You're not. I'm, no. I'm not publicly going to name and shame them. A lot of people would probably put two and two together, but Shane, we kind of both co-wrote the song. Yeah. I'd already had the music prepared, so we just had the music. Had to come up with a melody and stuff like that and an idea for it and I gave my two cents about basically a failed fucking few whatever you want to call it a fling that I basically ended but the whole concept of the song is basically you'll still be loving her or him yeah him it whatever it may be and it's even it can go back to it's the concept rather than have to be romantic it can be a friendship where yeah. You've gone your separate ways, but you'll always have a fond memory of them. And no matter how much time passes, you'll always yes, care you could, about you them. Yes, it could apply to not just a romantic uh, uh, involvement. It could be somebody that you care for so much. Yeah, yeah. I can understand but in this, that, in this yeah. case, it was romantic. But as a whole, holistic point of view, it was very much that broad sense of knowing that you're going to have to let them go. But they'll always be yeah well I, I suppose what uh, the listener the five listeners want to seven. hear is uh, well, seven it's gone up to seven was yeah. it? okay okay your, your mother and somebody else must have come in uh, <laughs> would neighbor. like to maybe they you've given a, a very good uh, presentation of your short life yeah you know 
short man, short life. No, you're not a short man. You know, I mean, you're an intellectual <laughs> in a land of pygmy, pygmies. At least. <laughs> short, <laughs> we're all taller. Short. We're all taller than pygmies. <laughs> so feck off, pygmies. And um, what I would like to say is, you know, we can leave that behind. You were a rugby coach as well. We're a rugby coach. Yeah. And you enjoyed that, didn't you? Yeah. And you were good. To... You were a very good rugby coach. You brought many a team uh, from the top of the league to relegation in one yeah, season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is unheard. That of. was my uh, go-to. But coaching, yeah, it's something I'm definitely. I don't think the longer I've been apart from it, the more I think I'll go back one day. Mm. And at even such an early age, I think I was could have been 22 when I was taking over an under-20s team and even coaching through the school. A lot of the guys who I would have coached have gone on to play for Ireland. They've played for Leinster. So it's <clears throat> it's great to look back on and I had great successes, bad moments as well that obviously hurt. But yeah, it was uh, definitely a really a huge amount of learning. I cannot stress to you how the confidence I got from doing a presentation in front of 60 guys who know their rugby, including coaches. Are you all right? Sorry, I was just uh, wondering where the bottle of wine was. The bottle of wine is in the kitchen. Do you want to go get it? Yes. Uh, keep on talking, Richard. Yeah. Do you want to go out and I'll talk to the mic? <laughs> Are you going to fall over? <laughs> yeah. So... With regards to that, yeah, with the, the coaching side of things, it was obviously, it was great. It, like, it was crazy where I always thought I'd say coach my old school, St. Michael's. I coached in Castlenock School as well. I also coached in Blackrock Club. And the memories from that, all those three places are completely different. And as I said, like, you learn different things from them. So... Like with Michaels, it was very much learning not to be too emotional with things because you obviously have a huge uh, affiliation, or that's not even a bloody word, but you basically have a huge attachment to the school from a personal emotional level. Castle Knock was, as I said, not treating things like you expect them to based on what you previously knew with Michaels. And yeah, and then with Black Rock, that was going into the dragon's lair so to speak being surrounded by the so-called enemy stuff like that so i learned a huge amount and as i even think about it now like there's definitely and as i said during covid i'm sure you're aware there was a few chances for me to go back into the coaching scene so to speak but stuff didn't materialize or else the jobs weren't something i was definitely keen on so it's something that I'll, i think if you don't see me back playing soon you'll definitely see me on a sideline soon well that is almost um frightening to hear yeah, yeah. that he'll be back on the sidelines again yeah uh, okay so richard okay we've we've gone through um s some parts of your life so far but i think what the seven listeners want to hear is a little bit more about the podcast and the amazing people that you have interviewed yeah. some of the the great great moments on that podcast because it really has been a great achievement by you and um, Dougal Maguire like yeah. has, has been and you're very talented talking to the mic I'm going to keep calling you out on it 
Very talented. <laughs> but no, don't scream. Very talented, versatile Just individual. Just normally. Uh, loving, loving sport, music and film. Did you ever think about taking up accountancy like your father? No. Okay, that's fine. We leave no. that one there. <laughs> so of the 60, 70 podcasts that you have been engaged in. Yeah. Describe your favorite highlights and the people that really impressed you and inspired you in those podcasts. Can you think of any? <clears throat> you don't have to now because some of the, the those who you've interviewed yeah. will be a bit insulted if you don't include them. But just no, no, some, no, highlights. I'm, I'm some very, highlights. I'm very open about who I thought went well and who didn't. <clears throat> and if I could have some back, I would. And yeah, like it's very tough. It's... I often hear it's like a, a band trying to pick their favorite album or their favorite song. Everything means something else to them. But I said, like, looking back, I initially started out being, I'm going to get St. Michael's Past Pupils on. I'm just going to get, as I said, I had Brian O'Mara on for the first one. He was a former pro rugby player. The next one was the owner of Bunsen. And then eventually I was like, listen, Michael's is a good place, but it doesn't have superstars for days. So I'm going to have to expand and go a bit more international. And I'll never forget getting, I sent out loads of emails and sent out loads of tweets on Twitter, Instagram messages to all these celebrities, uh, Brad Pitt, you name it. None of them would ever see that. And I was like, right, I'm going to have to scale up here. I need to get someone a bit smaller. And I remember opening up my Hotmail email account and seeing a response that had, it was in reply to my message that was said podcast with Ken Shamrock. And those who you don't know, he was one of the biggest wrestlers for up until the early 2000s, was the first UFC heavyweight champion ever. Even just from a social media aspect, he had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers. And his agent was like, yeah, let's set something up. And that was the first time I was like, okay, if I bluff enough people through an email, lie about how long I've been doing the podcast for and how many listens and downloads I get, I can get some pretty substantial guests on. And a lot of people thought I was pranking them. So that was the first big, big, big one. And then, yeah, like it, a lot of the ones that didn't get listened to nearly enough, mm-hmm. like Nick Yaris, who was in death row for 25 years, five days after he came on my show, he was on Joe Rogan. Adam Alter, whose book is the favorite I've ever read, most interesting. He, I think six months ago, went on Joe Rogan. He talks about social media addiction and how it affects your brain and mood and everything like that. He was superb to chat with and like best-selling authors as well. And there's just a huge array of different people. Baltimore Police, Michael Wood as well. He was another guy who was on Joe Rogan as well. I keep bringing up Joe Rogan, but that just shows you the caliber of guests I was able to get on. But more importantly, mm. you don't go on the biggest podcast in the world if you're not interested. Mm. And these people, even though some of them are criminally, like just not listened to in comparison to my stupid podcasts about mm. Portugal and whatever, some of those podcasts I've just encouraged people to go back and listen to because it's not like, oh, it's out of date now. The stuff we talked about is still relevant today. Mm. And yeah, like it's just, it's so hard to pinpoint one, but there's so many there that when I was just sitting to them, sitting chatting to them upstairs on a laptop, mm. I was just like, I, I cannot believe this mm. is actually happening considering when I started this, I genuinely thought I was going to do one episode, get laughed at mm. and call it a day. Yeah, I mean, I have listened to some and some of them are 
absolutely amazing. Ken Shamrock, you know, others. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, that idiot fool, uh, David Allen. Um, but yeah. anyway, no, but I've listened to a lot. And uh, they are amazing. I mean, their life stories are tremendous. Uh, being left with their brothers and no parents, ending up in prison, coming out, yeah. uh, taking up wrestling, you know, trailer trash, their lives ruined, drugs, and they came back. You know, some, of, some of those stories are great comeback stories. Absolutely. And it's really, honestly, is should be a lesson to everybody. When you're young, you think, oh, God, I haven't made it, or this, that, and the other. Life is very strange. You can... <laughs> Come back from any adversity if you have enough belief in yourself. And I think that the thread that goes through your podcast is exactly that. When you talk about the people, most of them, a lot of them have had adversity, problems, drugs, this, that, and the other. But they came out. They came out the other side and became success. No, I'm not, forget about success. Success isn't money or fame. It's their personal achievement of feeling better about themselves, feeling, you know, they have done something with their lives. It doesn't matter whether they're famous or not, but a lot of these, the, the threads that come through those podcasts are people who fought back, fought back yeah. from, would you agree, Richard? No, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's one of the great beauties of Rallin's Ranch and some of them are fa fantastic I know you've interviewed rugby players and young players and but the, the people that you've interviewed who have life experience is 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 all inspiring yeah it's, it's crazy it's, it's fantastic and uh, I do encourage people I know everybody wants their I well, want to listen to something for 10 minutes but some of Richie's uh, great interviews are worth listening to and I will take 10% of all of the... Sorry, no, I won't, no, no. Anyway, listen, it, it is a fantastic, fantastic achievement that you you have over the... Since you reached uh, puberty at 23 when you started the um, the podcast. How would you know? I have no idea. <laughs> but you, you were able to grow two hairs on your chin. Now. I yeah. suppose that's the only one, the, the giveaway. But anyway, let's, let's move it along and maybe lighten it up a little bit. Um, Keep talking. I, I, honestly, I'm going to nut you at this on, stage. On. You have to talk into the mic. Yeah. No, no, now you need to turn it out of the yeah, way. Okay. So. Talk into uh, it. I am talking into the microphone. <laughs> Richard. Uh, what do you think is the key to interviewing famous people? Do you, have, do you have to be relaxed, let them talk, or go deep to get to the essence of their personalities? I'm reading this out, folks. Yeah. Great question. And I've Googled that so many times in the past. And I suppose for the last two, three years, I haven't, I didn't formulate. So what I used to do is I used to, at the very start, just write out the questions, write out statistics, information. I would then get to the stage where I would, I would revise. I would revise these people's life story. If they had a podcast or if they had 10 podcasts, I would listen to them all in preparation because I feel like if you take that seriously and like if they're big enough celebrities, some of the people I've had have over a million followers on social media, like huge businesses worth millions of dollars, whatever it may be, you have to give them that respect and you earn it by knowing your shit. 
But it's, I think the key is ultimately knowing your detail, but then letting them breathe. Because I've seen so many podcasts and it infuriates the hell out of me. And like when someone's talking and you know when someone's about to open up or you feel that if you actually let them speak and then you you know that they're willing to just dive a little bit deeper you need to be able to pick up on that and that's also another big challenge as well like only about 20 percent of the podcasts i did were in person the rest were online over the phone through skype so you lack that personal touch but you still need to be able to pick up on that and as i said all that stuff translates to when I was coaching, when I was teaching, when I was doing sales, now if I'm in marketing, doing presentations with clients, picking up on those mannerisms and even changes in tone, changes in excitement. So there was a lot of stuff that I had to learn on the go and like with everything, actually experience it and fail in it. Because like I remember there when I went on holidays about two months ago, I listened back to a few of my podcasts and I actually get really pissed off listening to them because I'd interrupt people. I'd ask lazy questions that were asked the previous week when they were doing a podcast compared to like now where I would, people would listen to a podcast and go, Jesus, I, I never knew that person was did that or felt that way. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff like that, but it's it's definitely something that the more you do, the better you'll be. Well, I suppose the... You're not ma- talking as like... I, Look, it's sideways. Where? Like, it's, it's a mic, so, like, just tilt it. Yeah. Yeah, and you just lean your mouth towards the mic. Yeah, perfect. Well done. Well, I suppose the big question is, after success in the podcasting, Yeah. I know I've asked the question before, is this the end of Rallon's rant? Is this the end of Richie <clears throat> Allen? Um, interviewing people from right across the world in disparate uh, genres and different professions and different is are you are you quitting now? Is it definitely all over? Yes. Well, like I feel like I we keep uh, bombarding the wrestler analogies here, but I I just think it's the time is right. There's the funny thing is I open up my email today because as I said I'd send off twenty thirty emails potential guests and I had three guests and one of them is a Sunday Times bestseller is currently in the top five uh, UK mm-hmm. bestselling authors and they were like yeah we'll come on the podcast and I had to respond going sorry but I'm no longer interested so to answer your question in short I think this will be the end but like you can't I can never say never because yeah. if if someone that I as I said, when I started, I wrote a list of 16 people. I interviewed 12 out of those 16 mm. people, my dream, my dream list. If one of them, for whatever reason, just was like, I don't even know if I'd ask, but if it somehow came a possibility where I could interview them or something happened, circum- circumstances changed, I would. Even with our fantasy football at the moment, one of the mm. punishments is if you lose, you're going to have to do a 20-minute so, rounds round uh, episode. So you don't think it's anything to do with the... The protesters outside the house with the placards are saying, and the shut it down or we'll burn you down. <laughs> no. And down with that sort of thing. Careful uh, now. Uh, careful now. Uh, you don't think that influenced your decision? No. I, and I think that's one thing that everyone who knows me close knows that I, I do things my way. I say what I feel. I, I ignore the filter most of the time for a lot of time my own downfall okay but it's it's firmly my call and hmm. 
I know the key thing is, and I I remember reading about it is you don't know you can never fully say oh it's the right or the wrong decision yeah. time okay. proves that but I know it's a strong no. decision and I've made it and I'm happy with okay. it okay well listen um, as everybody knows you're only 27 so there's so much ahead but I do have to ask you a couple of um, questions and a couple of I want to get what have you been doing for the last 50 yeah but I want to minutes. get I want to get inside Richard Allen I don't want a, that's that I could that statement there could literally uh, put you in prison I know I, I want I, to get inside I want, I want I get, uh, get inside Richard <laughs> I'm just happen to be a large uh, black person who is, uh, who is sharing yourself uh, no hold on uh, I want to a- uh, ask questions about who is Richard Allen yeah and let me firstly say who in the world of politics, film, sport, really inspires you at this particular moment? Is anybody that you say is a hero? Anybody that you say, wow, that is somebody I would like to aspire to? As cliched as it sounds, but it's been since the age of eight to, as I said, pretty much 20 years and a lot of people know this, but Mark Hopp is from Blink-Ray 2. And even now, more than ever, I know you might be like, geez, what a cliched answer. But not only, obviously, did I pick up an instrument, I, I wouldn't be interested in music if it wasn't for his band and his songwriting. I have his custom bass over there made from Mexico, sitting three metres away from me. But stuff like the way he actually acts, he's he's got the ability to be mature, you know, show emotional intelligence, but also act like an idiot, which I think I can do all three to a decent level. You might disagree. No, no, you can do it to a much higher level. <laughs> yeah, we're a, a massive, a world-class <laughs> level. You're a world-class idiot. Yeah, thank you. But, and then also even recently, like he's he's gone through uh, several months of cancer, chemo, and I've spoken to this on the podcast with people who've been in really dark, dark times and the way he's been so brave and so open about it as well. Because like like with everyone, everyone has their shit days and I'm shocked you never asked about it with diabetes. You have some days where you come off second best to the illness, but thankfully it's very, very Well, I uncommon. deliberately didn't uh, because, you know, so many, many great people and so many athletes do have disabilities and everything. And and I know you have, and it's uh, ty- uh, type 1 diabetes, but it's never never stopped you in any way. No. Like Henry Slade or uh, Theresa May or any, you know, you know. So it's not something that I think you worry about. You have a regime every day, and but you you have been very good with it, haven't you? Yeah, no, it's it's a, as you said, it's it's a, <clears throat> it's a hidden mm. illness. Like no, very people who don't know me don't know I have it. Yeah, and that's obviously a pro, but then also it can be a con as well because mm. people just think you're just like them when yeah. it isn't the case all the time. And there's definitely times where I'm restricted from doing stuff due to it. But you're not really like, restricted too much. Because, I mean, it's like, I know it's a difficult thing, but so many people, young people and old people have to, but you're being fantastic with it now. I'm, yeah. I'm very proud of you. But it's, it's a... It's anyway, a we'll move it on because I don't think uh, the, the audience, uh, the ratings, no, and we do appreciate, and it's one of the things that I uh, really admire about you, Richie, and everything, and you don't talk about it, 
Okay, so let's see, can we liven up this podcast a little bit? Funniest moments in your podcast. Can you think of one or two that you laughed your head off of? Funniest moments. A uh, disaster was I interviewed Rebecca Black, who was my biggest guest to date. Still the most listened to podcast I've ever done with her. She was the inter- first, pretty much the first ever internet sensation. I did an interview with her over Skype, used my usual programs. And straight after, I was like, oh, thanks so much. It took me about seven, eight weeks to organize it. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll just edit this, compress it, do all the stuff. I play back the interview and for the whole thing for 66 minutes there was just static static and I remember send it off to some American engineer offering to pay him $200 if he could fix it and he goes man that is it's history so I had to call the agent immediately and go obviously the podcast is screwed but I actually lied I actually blamed it on the agent because I heard she was on the phone uh, at one stage so I blamed it on her I go oh if you have your phone turned on near the mic it can sometimes turn to static which is complete bullshit but she didn't know Yeah, that was kind of funny and it actually wasn't funny well like I I I found I I found I I want to hear something that you laughed your nuts off like just uh, is there anything that you can think of that you said somebody said was so funny there's so so many little comments but like if you're talking pound for pound most I've ever laughed throughout a podcast it was the one upstairs the with you won't know them but the bullet and gilso yeah and I kind of stressed to you where when you do something in person and like people even work from home now it's just it's so much different the energy yeah. in the room making eye contact seeing what body language is being presented to you so the schools boy rugby podcast and that's why about 80 percent of the people who listen to it say it's all right best. okay so that's so the, the funniest moment was static which okay now <laughs> listen your favorite joke can you tell us a joke is there a possibility you tell us a joke just a joke funny that a funny joke that you think might make people laugh See, as a lot of people know, I'm more of a storyteller, but from a joke perspective, what comes to mind? What, uh, do, you, what do you call an uh, Italian beggar? Yeah, I have no idea. Giovanni Change. Giovanni Change. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. We'll, um, <laughs> listen, travel. <laughs> what? Uh, we, he won't be going on the stand-up tour too often. I'm a storyteller. He's I make story people laugh through stories. Yeah. I don't do You're the a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, travel. What countries do you think you would like to live in if you weren't in Ireland? In Europe, I would say northern Europe, somewhere like Sweden, Norway. I've been to Norway and Denmark. They're incredible places, very expensive. But dream place would be California, without a shadow of doubt. If in any place... A particular place in California that you would... L.A. Uh, or San Diego. I absolutely sell, love those uh, L.A. Two. or San, uh, San Diego. Yeah. So you're going back to the Blink-182. Or is it just a lifestyle? No, it's the lifestyle. So a lot of people move to London, love the hustle and bustle, the busyness, the fact that there's always something on. Mm. People love New York, of how hectic and busy it is. Everything's always mm. jammers. With those places, they're spacious. You've got incredible ocean views. 
loads of stuff to do you can be a party animal if you want you can be a spiritual guru if you want mm. and that flexibility and ultimately the weather being incredible yeah. is something that attracts well, I have me very good news for you Richie I've just got <clears throat> on my phone there's a one bed studio apartment available in Compton okay. in LA for $100 a month am I taking it? do you want it? no okay sorry can you stay there? No, like it hasn't you. got a roof, but no. but there's a horse outside <laughs> in the Guinness ad. Okay. All right. Friendships. Yeah. Very important when you're young because uh, a lot of friendships don't last throughout the decades. As I know myself, I'm an elderly man and you have great friends in your 20s. They drop off in their 30s and then the 40s. And in your work environment, you meet some other people. Yeah. And at the end, when you get a little bit older, you've only one, maybe one or two, two good friends. Most of them because they've died or gone able, mental or something. Yeah. Um, Which has happened. <laughs> what makes a great friend? Is it generosity, humor, sticking with you through thick and thin, or something else? What do you think makes good friendship? That is a good, good question. And I think the old saying of <clears throat> with your truth thick and thin, I don't adhere to that because I think there's certain levels to that. If you just stick with someone, no matter what happens, I just think you're an idiot, put it <clears throat> that way. But to answer your question, it's... Someone who, God, you've got me here. I would say loyalty is a huge thing. So it's very easy to make new friends. But like, I'm not saying like you have to spend 24-7 always chatting to people and showing that you care, but just constantly being there. And there's so many people, and even as you alluded to, like Shobzy. Shobzy's a guy I wouldn't see for months on end. But then when I see him, I just pick up as if I'd seen him yesterday. It was It's mm. that sudden of a like reconnection, pick up where we left off. And I feel like, as you said, loyalty is a huge thing. But then also having huge understanding for what that person is. Because I think a huge amount of people, especially I'm, I'm talking about my own friends here, they just kind of treat everyone the same when that just never is the case. And I'm sure your friends over the years, mm. everyone's different. And people have senses of humor. Some people are dry shites. Some are really work-orientated. Others aren't. Some are sporty. Some aren't. Some care more about money than others, etc., etc. But being loyal and especially with me as well, just ha being able to somewhat, in most cases, obviously the certain circumstances where it doesn't apply, but being able to find the good from the bad. Okay. Okay, it's been a difficult time in the pandemic for relationships, particularly those in their 20s, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of boys and girls... Um, have you found that difficult? I love how you say boys and girls. As if Boy, I'm attracted to both. No, no, I'm talking about it's both for boys and girls meeting boys meeting girls, girls meeting boys. Uh, What's it, it like? You know, it, it's been difficult, hasn't it? No yeah. clubbing, no uh, 
No, I'm not talking about boys and girls, and that you like both. I'm Big orgies. Saying, yeah, well, <laughs> include me in both. Yeah. <laughs> what about last weekend? But yeah. yeah, no. With that, I think it's it's something that's so commonly discussed, and you read mm. articles in it every single mm. week on the big newspapers all around the world. It's definitely been tough, and yeah. I do feel that in your twenties, you're on holidays, nights out big events and since they got stripped back it's been a case where like think about the fact that you haven't seen some of your closest friends yes. in some cases a year or two think about the fact that like even some maybe females or whatever yeah. you were interested in your partners or whatever yeah. sex orientation you're you're hoped for yeah that becomes so much tougher and that's why if you think about it all these apps now have become the norm the norm yeah. now is not oh i can't wait to go to coppers and chance my arm it's now okay i need to download this dating app and get mm. through that and if mm. you think about it now part of it and back in your day would have been the exact same mm. part of the game is chancing your arm with with a girl and going okay i'm going to commit to this i might yeah. get rejected but i'm going to give it a go or try you know chat my way yeah. to being able to buy her a drink or whatever it may be yeah. with now the fact that you don't have those interactions you scale it back to the dating apps and if you think about the yeah. dating app there's no fear of rejection i know because well i mean when uh when i was rejection doesn't happen on when those i was apps. Court courting your mother i um stalking i had a great <laughs> a great sense of humor as you know and uh i always said i laughed her into bed <laughs> and then when i took off my clothes she was in stitches in convulsive <laughs> laughter so there you are so that, Thanks happened. For that but it's been very difficult for young people yeah to meet you know members of the opposite sex or the same sex or whatever your uh, orientation are you know uh, but uh, so are you feeling a bit more optimistic now that the pandemic is coming to an end and there's more less restrictions do you think you're going to be a different guy after maybe 16 months yeah, I in relative hibernation. I think it's going to be a very interesting society we're going to go into, and yeah, as I said, a huge amount of even relationships that my friends were a part of they ended during the pandemic, and yeah, I just think people are just going to be so happy to be able to go out, chat, just meet people they haven't seen in years, and just yeah. even have that romantic side back in their life because a huge amount of people haven't mm. and then also if you take into consideration just like college students going yeah. mad meeting new yes, friends i know they miss going so much tours, and then even you go all the way and you're going to slag me about the first years but like even imagine going into first year in school for the mm. last year or two you've yeah. not been in a classroom you don't so like the friends i made in first year i'm still mates with you yeah. know 15 years later those Good. guys don't Good. really know who they well, are well uh, you, you, as we know the united states have lifted the restrictions so we can all go j ones uh, we can all go to la and we had some great times personally yeah i want to speak about our great times when we were in la together yeah. and uh, and we had some great fun there and the one thing i as a, as a parent i have a, had great experience with uh, with my sons all of them are different, but I just they all, Equally they all understand that I need alcohol and copious amount of sex. Uh, <laughs> so one out of two ain't bad. Yeah. Uh, so um, it's been great fun. Uh, but now I want to just finish off uh, the podcast, which I was going to say, describe your ideal mate. Is it 
do you go for looks, personality, humor, or kindness, or what would you look for in in a potential mate? If you because you're reaching a stage where you might be thinking about maybe meeting somebody, would it be looks first of all, or would it be humor? Would it be kindness? Would it be personality? If somebody made you laugh, like. I did your mother. That's the only way I was going to get you into yeah, the Yeah, exactly. Can you yeah. uh, putting those images into my head? Is I'll be having nightmares. Mm. But no, to answer your question, and like it is, it's a fair enough question. We're at the age now where the mm. ne- like the next person you meet when you're in your late well late twenties, you know that could be your your future wife or your fu- future partner. You know yeah. who your kids are going to be dealing with. So I think the big thing is just personality because from what I've gathered, whether it's romantic, even friendships with mates, like a, a long-standing relationship, and I've seen this you with Colette through the highs and lows, where like no marriage is absolutely perfect. You have to make absolute sacrifices uh, to make it work. Everyone's aware of that. That's just simply how it, it does. And if you don't do that, they often end up in failure. But... Like, I think personality is absolutely huge because looks can change. Like, uh, even some of my friends in the in a year or two, both male and female, they've changed drastically during COVID. Like, it, it can all change so quickly. You can, you can age, you can put on weight, you can lose weight, you can have accidents, you don't know. But personality, that sticks with you. Like, you don't, like, you are still the same age as that class saw all those years ago cracking those those jokes and the dad I knew 25 years ago is still the same dad I know right now as I'm doing this podcast so to translate that over it's the exact same if you're looking mm. for you know and then you also need to take into consideration and especially at our ages now like you need to like view it like if it goes well you know this could be the mother of my potential kids so like it's that but ultimately personality someone you can trust someone someone that you can you know, care for, and then like the big thing is someone you can find that you know you love more than yourself, which I think is the the proper definition of love. Yeah, well, that's very for somebody so young and so idiotic. Um, you can say, uh, yeah, stupid. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, but it does. It, it, and I would advise anybody, any young person, uh, girl or boy, um, if you're going to marry somebody for looks, uh, don't marry me. no no just marry somebody that you really enjoy their company and have a bit of fun with because relaxing in somebody's company whether they're good looking or okay looking or whatever is so important yeah because you're going to have to live with those parts you're going to have to deal with problems you're going to have to have babies maybe you're going to have to change the nappies and you're going to be waking up uh you know and you just you know, you say, oh, my God, he's changing the nappy and he's so good looking. Hello, a fat girl. <laughs> you know, he's more likely saying, looking at himself in the mirror or her in the mirror and saying, good, my hair is out. What about the nappy? Fuck off. <laughs> anyway, it's a quick fire round in, yeah. uh, in, in honor of Richie's last podcast. I have a couple of quick fire rounds, yeah. uh, which might somehow... Uh, Tell a little bit more about Richie Allen. Um, my first question is... You're screaming again. Sorry. <laughs> Richard Allen, what is your favorite movie of all time? 
it's it still is Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive, and and why did you think that was? It was David Lynch's great masterpiece. Yeah, uh, but why did BBC's it, best film of since of the two thousands and, and beyond twenty first century? Uh, why would you say it was your be- was it just the enigmatic mystery of and then the the whole change at the end? Of- yeah, so it had. I think as a film, it had absolutely everything. It had. You know, there was laughter in it, there was romance, there was terror, there was a twist, there was eeriness, there was decent action as well. And just as in, like, it's unlike you go to the cinema now and go see a drama, you can relate that back to a film that you saw maybe five years previous. Mm. I can never see a film and go, oh, that reminded me of Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive will never be replicated and I think the more you watch it, the better it gets, which most films can't. Okay. So it's nothing got to do with the lesbian no, sex. No. <laughs> that, you know, and, and the two are gorgeous. Okay. No. Now, well, that's one of the attractions. That, that, yes. That, okay. So, okay, let's see. Your favorite band. I think I know this answer. Yeah, it's uh, Blink-182. Blink-182. Well, I've only listened to Blink-182. 180,000 times. Yeah, uh, but five zillion times yeah uh, you know i mean you love them why because they've just been that it's been like it's almost as if i had three brothers growing up i had the two proper formulated brothers and mark and robert but every time i had great times i had a blink ray two song for that every time i had a shit time I had a Blink-182 song to get me through it. Every holiday I've been on, when I play a Blink-182 song now, it takes me back to that. And it's just, it's like with every act, every even person or act, like there's just, they are embedded in me. And I don't think I'll ever, ever stop listening to their music. Well, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to have a um, favourite band. My favourite band was obviously the Beatles. But um, ne- next question favorite person or the most admired person in history can you think of anybody that really you think is inspirational in history could go back to yeah go back even to jesus you know this 2000 years ago well that's a controversial suggestion but no or muhammad muhammad yeah or one of the gods buddha tutankhamun i would say from a inspiring person is that what you're getting at it's kind of the most inspiration person in history that you would say wow I would have loved to have lived his life or her life hmm it's a decent question David well done I would say I would have loved to have seen Michael uh, Michael Martin no Uh, Vincent van Gogh was someone I as someone who studied art, even though I was never that good, he had such a bizarre, crazy life. Yeah. Yes. Was like, still today, he's he's well gone, well, well dead. Yeah. But, well, I tell you, if he was here today, he would give you an earful, wouldn't he? He would give me an earful, yeah. Good joke. But he's someone that I always, even if I was just scrolling through a magazine and they had a picture of one of his paintings, I'd always just spend a minute or two just looking at it because I okay. don't know what it is, but so it's Vincent Van Gogh. Van Gogh as an inspiring person, I think what he's done for art will okay. never be matched. Okay. Uh, other than Ireland, what's your favorite country? 
that you visited or what you would aspire to visit? Visit? Aspire to visit. <laughs> it's called uh, the English language, language, which, by the way, I'm fluent <laughs> in. The, I do like America, but like a such a, yeah, well... Come on, we haven't got a lot of time I fucking know. Give us a chance. Jesus. Canada or Croatia? The two C's. Cheese, chicken, tuna. So you're going for... Canada. I, I said your favourite country. So you're going for a mix of Croatia and Canada. Well, Vancouver so it's, and the it's, Dalmatian it's, coast. It's Croada. Yeah, Croada. So Croada. Croada. Yeah. So which is it? I've got to pick one. Fine, I'd say Croatia. You're going for Croatia. Any reason for that? No, I went to, where was I? Havar, Spliss, Dubrovnik. Dubrovnik. And Anything to do with the most beautiful women in the world? No, like the women, the food, the weather, the beaches. They don't have sandy, but like half of the beaches aren't sandy, which I hate sand. And and you had great memories there, did you? Yeah. Any of them you'd like to share with us? Um, Was there any sexual activity going on there? There were some interesting ones I recall after interrailing, but for the sake of the younger listeners... Let's just say sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Okay, and what's, so what stays, what goes on tour has to stay so on tour. So we'll, uh, we'll uh, keep the sheep out of it. So okay. we'll keep the sheep. Um, so, sexiest woman and man. In, what? In, what do you think? Who is the sexiest woman or man in the modern world? Who do you think is young people like you? Say, wow, he's she's the sexiest, or. Well, this is completely subjective. I know yeah. a lot of people say... Who would you, if you say, listen, I'm going out on a date tonight. I'm going to... Who's my in. dream date? I'm going to I'm going to pop in and meet the old fella in Ashens uh, yeah. with this uh, girl or whatever. Who, who would you like to... Like, who do you fantasize about? Rihanna. Also Rihanna. Is there anything to Obsessive. It's, it's dangerously obsessive, yeah. yeah. So Rihanna with her billion dollars... What do you think the chances of ever going out on a date with Rihanna? 0.0 at about 7,000 zeros after that 0.1%. So that's uh, pretty, pretty good, yeah. Pretty, uh, there's good a ch- chance. You have a, you have a good chance. Yeah, yeah. there's so a chance. So m- million zeros, yeah. Yeah. But now, question. Uh, a lot of young people here around the world, you know, their religion is dead. Yeah. Uh, somebody once said, uh, once religion dies, superstition takes over. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think there's a heaven in the afterlife? Funny, I was actually thinking about this about four or five nights ago. Will you ever you see um, your loved ones uh, after you depart the world? Or is it you're dead, gone, history, black, <laughs> end, <laughs> desperate, <laughs> miserable, blackness, depression. And then you hear Radiohead. Yeah. Karma <laughs> police. So do you think there is a heaven? No. And only thought behind that is, I just think with religion, number one, there's too many religions for any of it to make sense. Secondly, if a meteorite smashed into the earth and everyone was destroyed, I highly doubt the stories of Jesus, etc., would all come back the exact same. 
Like, do you, like, do you think the Bible would be rewritten the exact same way if a meteorite destroyed no, everyone? No, it wouldn't be because Earth would have gone. So Yeah, I mean, but I'm just saying if you were to manufacture humans again, I think religion and stuff, it would take different shapes, different stories, yeah. different mythologies. So, no, I, don't, I think once you were dead, and I, I, it terrifies the shit out of me, knowing, like, you're approaching that stage where, like, you're taking your last breath or you'll have the last time you'll see your friends or whatever it may be. I think when you take that last breath and shut the eyes, it's, as you said to Stevie Wonder, turn off the lights, Stevie. It's it's blackness and you're you're gone. Okay. Fine. <laughs> that is uh, being extraordinarily depressing. But anyway, okay. A bit, uh, different question. Um, would you like to go... Tomorrow's with Elon Musk. No. On his, no. And knowing that you couldn't come back. No. No interest. Why? I hate flying. And secondly, genuinely, I just, I don't get the attraction. I get it's a magnificent feast. You would, uh, you would be the first human being to go to another planet. Now, initially, it won't be coming back to Earth. Uh, but you would be the first pioneers on Mars. No, as in, like, I just don't see... It's like Armstrong going, being the first to step on the moon. Yeah, but he came back. I know he came back, but, like, the concept's the same. It's like the journey to us is much more impressive than someone stepping outside a door and, you know, putting their foot onto some sort of land. Oh, okay, okay, that's fine. I so know that my, hurts my you. Last, my last question is, planets. again, uh, an astro- astronomical question. Why are you doing the astronomical questions? Yeah, hold on. Do you think there's alien life? And if they arrived on Earth, would you, A, yeah. shit yourself? Yeah. B, try to mate with them? <laughs> or C, kiss your ass goodbye? <laughs> well, the big question is, I suppose, what is your perspective around what aliens look like are we talking like a predator type alien an alien from the film aliens we could be Mars talking about attack. a large black widow spider okay so or like or a massive jellyfish that yeah. finds you attractive yeah but then I don't have a choice I would Jesus I would definitely I would yeah kiss my arse goodbye yeah, but if you, I see them kill someone, I'm like, right, well, we're not, we're not winning this battle. Yeah, but you've kissed your arse, so you're obviously a bit of a pervert. Yeah. I, I, I'm just saying... You want me to mate with the alien? You, but you haven't shit yourself yet. No, I would... What if they said, we're going to let you live <laughs> if, if I, you mate with <laughs> one of the jellyfish? No. What? I'd struggle to perform. But if you did mate with them, you would kiss your ass goodbye and you'd be shitting yourself. So you'd have all three in one. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Okay, I think we've uh, entered the the realms of nonsense (laughs) at this moment. So listen, ladies and gentlemen, um, this is the conclusion of the last podcast. And by the way, if it's on video, you can see my tears streaming down my eyes. Yeah. Because I've worn tight trousers today. but listen, I would like to thank Richard Allen, who has been absolutely amazing in setting up Rallon's Rant. It's been a tremendous and absolute He's wonderful achie- achievement. Uh, and I admire him so much. He is, 
he has talked to so many wonderful, wonderful people. And the, the work he's done in trying to get them on his podcast is beyond belief. He has been absolutely admirable and brilliant. Uh, I know a lot of people say he's a bit of an idiot. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's only 99.9% of humanity. But, no, listen, he has been absolutely wonderful. And Rallon's rant has been fantastic. And I, myself, as his father, I'm a bit sad tonight, having given, been given the, the honour of his last You interview. have no honour? But I will leave the last word to the great man himself. Richard, your final thoughts. First, why are you calling me Richard? You only said Sorry, Richie, he <laughs> hates Richard, so, but because I'm his father, I can call him Richard. But he's yeah. Richie. Yeah, you can call him whatever you want. Um, yeah, so thanks for the chat, David. I know the last time we had a chat under these circumstances, the, the shoe was on the other foot. As Eddie O'Sullivan would say, you know, <laughs> you can put cabbage and bacon, but you know who's having dessert. But yeah, no, jokes to one side, it's been an absolutely incredible run. I want to thank absolutely everyone who has listened and those who have given me feedback, both good and bad, the people who said it was a stupid decision, people who said it's been great. And yeah, even the people like the odd time I've gotten a message saying, listen, that podcast with X and Y changed the way I looked on something and some lads, people who I'm not going to obviously name, were going through tough times and it helped them. So yeah, I could keep going on and on and on and on. I will keep all the podcasts up there so they won't just vanish. And yeah, it's hard to believe that nearly five years just coming to its conclusion. But I'd I'd rather be sat across nobody else than the cow-eyed father known as David Allen with his below-the-belt remarks. And yeah, it's been some journey. I didn't expect it to get this far, but I'm glad it did. People say experimental or molecular gastronomy. Others would say just catering to the jaded palates of rich people who've had every <laughs> other experience. Like with that dickhead Brock Lesnar, I say, hey man, he, he looks like he's on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Of course he looks like a steroids. The years it takes off your life and your hairline, respectively. Dylan knows all too well. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan and a half. So I woke up one morning after um, my last game, and actually I remember sitting in the edge of my bed and it was like, I've nothing to do. <laughs> and then it was like, no, 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 no. Brian, you have nothing to do. Uh, kind, uh, thoughtful, and vicious. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to sum it all up. Richie, I'll tell you, the ones that I have lost are still there. I still see them. I still see their faces. If you're in this job long enough, you are going to lose people. It's just the way it is. It was opening up for Blink on an arena show. That was okay. our second show ever. Yeah, we did get booed for a good portion of our set, but by the end of our set, people were feeling it. No, I think Richie Allen against Castlemark <laughs> drops his gun shields. Oh, <laughs> It's about 20 meters back. It's in the middle of the game. And like a five-year-old, he runs back to get it. Oh my God! I've seen a lot of strange things, man. I'm telling you, a lot of I strange can things. Another wrestler was taking hard-boiled eggs and stuffing them up his rear end, and they were shooting <laughs> across the room. <laughs> they won't know I'm coming, and a car will pull up up to their house, and being towed behind the car will be me in a glass box. <laughs>
it's so demoralizing because it was aimed at me in anger when I couldn't control myself, Richie. I couldn't stop. I didn't want to tussle with them. I didn't want to resist. I didn't want to sit there frozen like a zombie. It's pointless. And you realize that really fast, that every time you arrest somebody, somebody else just fills their, their slot right away. And then when I got deeper into the drug things, doing major case narcotics, I started seeing bigger picture from like the entire life of the drug dealer and all the circumstances that ar- arrive around that. When we walk out into the main like hall and go down the stairs, it's honestly, it's saving Private Ryan open scene stuff. You've got lads in the mid, you have girls in bikinis screaming, tears flowing down their cheeks. It's mayhem. Maybe they were way too scared to say that in 2011 because the popular opinion was to say they didn't like it. And I think one of the biggest things for me, which is like, when you go back to, you look at those Russian coaches and Chinese coaches will have gone through with their athletes, is they're taking someone who has come out of the womb, born to be a weightlifter. Oh, it's a great strategy game, mate. I'm actually trying to take over Ireland as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with that. Good luck with that. That hallway thing, if you only knew, if people, if the general population only knew how <laughs> accurate that is, it is so damn funny. <laughs> like, I actually can't describe rattled, would be one yeah, word. Yeah, it's uh, similar to the Zico. Yeah, yeah, no, this is worse, though. <laughs> this is worse. So this is a full Aviva, a million watching at home, and I've gone from... And England. Gone from La La Land, basically, yeah. to being thrown into one of the biggest games of the year. He would have been kicked out of the Gestapo for cruelty. He was an absolute animal. He had straps embedded with coins, which he used to beat the shit out of us. And even people who have learned those skills over time, you know, as an adult, if I spend too much time in front of a screen, I sort of forget, in a sense, how to interact with people. I feel like I, it's a struggle. Since you were working on not, yeah. I don't want to say, I don't want to say successful. Well, you, you just know, did, did you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> 